0: for Formula One, and
1: it's out, and away we go. Welcome to Off the Grid here on RiotRadio.ca. I'm your host, Evan Halbert, and today we're talking about the Azerbaijan Grand Prix, or Baku City. One of the two, whichever works best for you. Welcome back. If this is your first time here, welcome. If you've been here before, welcome back. It's really easy to... I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say this now, this weekend sucked. This was not fun. We'll talk more about as to reason as to why it was terrible. But overall, the format isn't that great and all that good stuff. We had like two sets of qualifying, two sets of races, which on paper sounds like it'd be better. It'd be much more enjoyable. Um, and on paper, it is. Maybe not this season, though. Maybe they could have held off until either next season or 2026, one of the two but you know, it is what it is. So I'm going to start things off a little differently than we usually do because there was only one free practice. And realistically, I think the only thing that really happened was Pierre's car caught on fire. Um, Not too much happened. A lot of people were sliding. They were struggling to get the balance. It's tough to go from, Australia being a street circuit that's not quite as tight to Baku, which is very tight, um, has the first three corners are 90 degree turns, it's a real mess, um, and has the ability to be really, really tough. And there's not that much runoff. There's some manufactured runoff, but realistically not that much. So what we're gonna do is I'm gonna go through both qualifyings of the race and the sprint qualifying, because sprint has its own qualifying. Uh, And then I'm going to go through the sprint race and then the race itself, and then we'll talk about everything else afterwards. Uh, So we'll get started with qualifying. We'll go ahead and we'll show you that, and then I'll just talk about it, everything after the end. So let's take a look.
2: Oh, he's in the wall. He's in the wall. Nick de Vries was going to be the last driver to push it over the line,
3: and he finds the barriers, and the Dutch driver brings out the red flag. Let's have a look then for Nick. End of a long straight into turn three. It's a left-hander, and yeah, he's, he's way too quick, but he had to be going down the escape road, go basically straight on. Instead, he was caught between trying to make the corner and diving out, and he just had way too much speed brakes late and then he was never going to make that.
2: Oh my God. In sector one once again, and we've got Pierre Gasly trailing down the barriers. And after all of the effort to repair the car, Gasly without the feeling, he's found himself into the barriers to bring out another red flag.
3: I'm sorry, I love the front. Okay, copy that mate.
2: Deep into the corner once again, further on than De Vries, but the corner ripped off at the back. And that will be a moment of dejection for a driver that has...
3: Tough day for Haas then, and uh, Ocon gets the Alpine down on mileage team, but uh, they've got at least one driver into Q2 just.
2: George Russell is eliminated. There's the moment over the curve. The momentum out of that corner can cost you, and it did for Russell. The British driver outqualified for the first time this season by his teammate Lewis Hamilton by four thousandths of a second. Verstappen chasing pole position 23 today to go ahead of the great Fernando Alonso it's Perez who's going to put the benchmark on the board of a 140.5 what can his teammate do by way of response it'll go ahead by a tenth of a second but we're waiting for the scarlet Ferrari first of all over the line it's Carlos Sainz who's half a second away but what can Charles Leclerc do chasing a third consecutive pole position at this circuit Charles Leclerc across the line Charles Leclerc to the front row, and it's exactly the same time as Max Verstappen, extraordinary, Verstappen ahead because he set the time first, but it's a four identical times, amazing. This is the driver that's made his worst ever start to a season in Ferrari colours. Just six points to his name, but he's in the hunt for pole position here with the fastest middle sector so far. Leclerc has set a benchmark way ahead of what Perez has managed to do in the middle part of the lap. It's on for Charles Leclerc. If he can deliver it all, he comes across the line. The DRS is open. The Monogas driver looking for another pole position in Baku, and he takes it for the moment. Three in a row on the board, but can the Bulls take it away? Signs cuts the beam, he will not improve. Can Perez do anything about it? for Stappen? no personal best in the middle part of the lap. Perez, fastest of anyone in the final sector, but it's only third. And now, can Max Verstappen take it away? He can't! He can't take it away! And Charles Leclerc has three poles in a row around Baku City circuit. Extraordinary stuff. Alonso up to P6. So, P1.
0: Come on! Yes! Ah, feels good.
1: So, lots happened during qualifying. Um, big things being uh, Nick DeVries and Pierre Gasly both having terrible weekends overall. Uh, DeVries crashed out in the first corner, which was not great. Uh, and then Pierre, unfortunately, even after the... Uh, car caught on fire in free practice one, and he thanked his engineers for getting the car back in one piece. Unfortunately, it wasn't enough, and he just smashed it straight into the side of the Tech Pro. But I think that George Russell also had a pretty rough weekend. We'll talk more about that. It was still a better result than both Nick and Pierre, but still being pipped by four one thousandths of a second in qualifying by your teammate, that hurts. That, that's not fun at all. Um, I think another one of the big radio moments that came from it was Oh uh, Sugar from, from George Russell. Uh, one thing that we don't really see that often was Max and Charles setting identical lap times throughout qualifying. Now, the only other time we saw this was I believe, I wanna say 96 or 97, and that was between Michael Schumacher, Mika Hakkinen, and Jacques Villeneuve. Um, They set identical lap times for qualifying, which is why they introduced the third digit, the 1,000th digit while doing qualifying, so that doesn't happen. Um, The rules state that if you set an identical time with another driver, whoever set the time first technically is first, Um, which makes the most sense in the way it's done. Now, that didn't last as Charles takes his first pole of the season which is pretty unexpected. We didn't really ex- we knew that the Ferraris hadn't that one lap pace by comparison to the Red Bulls. It's the amount of what makes the Red Bulls so strong even though the Ferraris have as strong as of of lap pace is how efficiently they get rid of the air and how efficiently they deal with tire degradation and having good aerodynamics helps in making that possible and making it so that your car is more efficient on the tires. And having an excellent driver like Checo Perez who can manage his tires for a long time, it's it's a race-winning combination. And we see that a little later on. That's a little tease for you. So we, uh, we'll look at the sprint qualifying, which happened on Sunday. Now, normally, sorry, on Saturday is when it happens. Normally, Saturday is reserved for uh, the main feature race qualifying. Uh, But we changed up the format, as we said, uh, this weekend. So now it was sprint qualifying on Saturday morning. Morning. Uh, And then we had the actual sprint race later that afternoon. So we'll take a look at sprint qualifying. Not too much really goes on with it, but we'll take a look at it anyways. We have that for you here.
2: Hello. Oh, Charles Leclerc into the barrel. Chasing another P1 and he finds the wall instead. Charles Leclerc currently P1, but we know the straight line speed for Sergio Perez is absolutely enormous. He's got the fastest middle sector checkered flag out for Perez, who comes over the line, but he can't find an answer. Hamilton is not able to improve. It's still a yellow flag. And can Verstappen find a
3: way past? Yeah, Verstappen was ahead of Leclerc crucially, so he's still.
2: It is Saturday Sprint Day from the streets of Baku, a brand new format on an already unpredictable weekend in the Azerbaijani capital. For the first time, we have a sprint shootout to set the grid for the sprint race this afternoon. It is going to be a journey into the unknown
3: Perez is only 10th at the moment and uh, is also improving. There he is in the background of shot. Hamilton goes second, so that's looking now much rosier for him. There are big names tumbling towards the bottom end of this. You've got to be on it at the end. De Vries, I think, is going to be in trouble. Gasly is going to be out because he's still in the yep. pits, and I don't think he'll get anything fired up in time to go. So Gasly's horrible weekend will continue who on earth is going to join him look at norris down in 16 and the
2: track rubbering in with every lap that they manage signs to fourth ahead of perez but the two williams there in sixth and seventh tell you there's lots of time to be found for those currently in the drop zone george russell over the line and he improves to fifth
1: welcome back unfortunately that wasn't the entire video i wanted to showcase for you guys here today um we do have another video that I did want to focus on. I believe we saw a little bit of it in there, um, but it was Logan Sargent's big shunt um, after he, I don't know, lost control, saw other cars on, on screen. Uh, that should be working, so we'll take a look at that really quick.
3: Star of yesterday that's done it. Oh, 18.
2: into the wall goes the Williams of Logan Sargent.
3: Tricky corner, into 15. it has got traffic ahead. Might have distracted him. But he's just gone in too deep.
2: Man, the Ferraris were in the middle of the road. And that is a red flag. Joe Guan Yu, Valtteri Bottas, Yuki Tsunoda, Pierre Gasly, and Nick DeFries staring at the exit.
1: There's no time to build and go round again. So as you can see, Logan Sargent, unfortunately, I'm not too sure. So he describes it as the Ferrari's gotten his way. Which he kind of did, but not really. But when we speak to, we spoke to Alex earlier this weekend, and he mentioned that even though it looks like they're not in your way and they're not impeding you, it does affect you in a sense that you know they're there, you don't really know what they're going to do. It affects your judgment and what it is you're going to do. Not everyone can Kimi it and just go straight through the fog, you know? So... It's difficult to make those judgment calls when you have another driver nearby you and very close to you. We don't want to have a practice session where Latifi crashes into stroll or stroll crashes into Latifi. It's tough to say what actually, uh, what it is that you can do. So my theory is Logan was coming in on the outside because usually when you take a corner, you start on the outside, you hook into the apex and then you Matches the outside of the of the corner at the same time, and that's probably what he was aiming to do. Um, but he probably saw the Ferrari that was nearby. Even if it wasn't impeding his path, it would still affect the way he drives. As he sees it there suddenly, he didn't see it before. Whoa! It's in my way, and then he just slams straight into the Tech Pro and mangles the car, which is not great. So, the other big thing that happened in qualifying was. Charles took pole again, which is great. He got two poles in one weekend. Um, He managed to outdo both of the Red Bulls. Uh, Not that it mattered much, but we'll talk about that a little bit later. And he knew that it wasn't going to, but it was still a feel-good moment um, for both of them. Um, There's tons of other stuff that happened. I think the sprint qualifying and the sprint race as a whole were probably the weakest parts of the weekend just because it just wasn't that much going on well we'll talk once again we'll talk about that a little bit later we'll talk on the format as well as the main feature races when we come back but for now we're going to go to some music don't forget you can follow us on social media at dcsa media hub here is welcome to the breakdown sorry love from the other side by follow boy here on riotradio.ca We came back to a little bit of madness, and that's okay. Welcome back to Off The Grid here on RiotRadio.ca. As per usual, I'm still here, Evan Halbert, talking about probably the most boring race that's happened. Yes, it was really just not a great time. But we're going to talk about the sprint race. So the way that the format went this weekend, we had one free practice session on Friday. We went to qualifying for the main race on Sunday on Friday uh, as our second session. Then we had the sprint qualifying the sprint race on Saturday, and then we had the main race on Friday. So we had two less practice sessions, and that's kind of a big deal, kind of not. We'll talk about that a little bit later. Let's go into the Baku Sprint. Now, I wanted to showcase kind of the beginning of the of the sprint start, just because that's probably the most impactful part, (laughs) impactful, uh, of the race. I'm getting some head shakes in here. Well, deserved. That's okay. Uh, (laughs) As, uh, as the race got off, um, it was Charles, Charles on pole, then Perez, Verstappen and it Oh, Was it Verstappen? It had to have been. There's no way it wasn't, unless he got a really bad start. Yeah, uh, Verstappen-George. Uh, and the way that it worked out was that George tried to take Max on the inside for corners 1, 2, and 3. The first corner, fine. Totally okay. The second corner, Max leaves George enough space that he can get through on the inside, uh, George, all the tires are cold. Understeers and smacks straight into Max. And on the third corner, Max still hanging out on the outside for some reason. Um, almost gets runs. Uh, almost gets run out of the road and squeezed into the wall. Uh, by George. So there's a lot to unpack with these first three corners of the sprint race. Now the sprint race it's only 17 laps long it's a a quarter of the race distance sorry a third of the race distance the first lap was fine it's a great move by George she starts to go in on the inside um and Max defends it well by that point in time they're pretty much neck and neck I believe Max has a bit of a lead over it and they're just battling it out along the straight into turn two turn two George gets uh tries to go on the inside, max gets the better line, and that's usually how it works. Now, George's argument for this is, I'm first in the apex, therefore it's my corner. But it's not really the case. I think it's dependent on whether your tires are ahead of the other tires. I'm not 100% on how it works. There are some people who say, It's front tires against front tires. It's front tires versus rear tires. It's a really weird comparison. Uh, All I know is George makes a mistake, crashes into Max. Max has now got a 30 centimeter uh, hole in his car. Um, As they're going into the next one, um, Max goes a little bit wider. George also goes a little bit wider and he loses the place as he's almost run to the wall. Now, the big hypocrisy about this is that Max has made a career of driving aggressively, running people off the road, and making it so that he is the aggressor. And if he, you get two choices when you're racing against Max, if you take the same line as him, you either back out or you both crash. Or you back out and he takes the position from you. That's basically been Max Verstappen's career in a nutshell. Obviously that's, he's grown and matured quite a bit. He's also driving a vastly superior car to everyone else, and he should know better as to uh, back out of these situations and knowing that he will get them later in the race, but you know, it is what it is. So, Max had some choice words about what was going on throughout the race. We're gonna go ahead and play some of his radio with his uh, race engineer, who is Gian Gian Piero Lombasi, or GP, um, so, we'll take a listen into what they had to say.
3: Okay, Max. Uh, we have picked up some floor damage. Just it for the balance shift. How? How do you think?
0: Did he really drive into the side of... I don't understand how he can keep the position and he's damaging my car. It's kind of ridiculous.
3: Lovely job, Max. Without contact as well. Nicely done.
0: Yeah, I know how to do that.
1: So, yeah. Definitely a not happy Max on a not happy GP. I don't think... G P always has this neutral tone in his voice, but you can tell when he's not happy in the situation, and that's usually when the sarcasm or the redundant questions start being thrown out there, um, such as "How do you think?" So, as the sprint race progresses, not too much happens. Um, we do have the race finish eventually. The power of the um, the power of the Red Bull and the DRS gets to be too much that Uh, Charles is unable to defend against it Um, so he has to let Perez go and Max who has this hole in his car unfortunately has to concede the idea that he is not catching Charles it's just not possible the the aerodynamics is not uh, working as intended so he's not as fast and not as efficient when cutting through the air so we'll take a look at the race end and we'll, uh, we'll hash out a little bit more about who's at fault what was going on and why things happened so let's take a look at that
2: Out of the final corners for the final time, the man who has been on the podium here more times than any other circuit on the Formula 1 calendar is going to get another brilliant result in Baku. Sergio Perez wins the sprint and takes the chequered flag for Red Bull. Charles Leclerc scores more points right now than he has done for the rest of the season. With second place and Max Verstappen completes the top three after a bit of argy bargy with George Russell in the opening laps.
3: Good job, guys. Well done there, and we will get them tomorrow again. Yeah, I whack actually there looked like very small contact. It and looked like side, really small to contact
2: to initially.
3: No I no grip. I'm yeah. not Mate, we, we all have no grip. You all and need there, to leave a little there. bit of space. Yeah, what's we'll your Yeah. Sure. But expect ne- next time the same, you know
1: so as you can see perez got an excellent drive on the race charles got second great job eight and seven points for them max gets third six points and you can see quite how big the hole is in the size of max's car it's quite sizable and the fact that max just didn't pull over and didn't just retire the car is still pretty remarkable um i feel like most of the cars this season are Pretty, uh, they're pretty bulky. They they take quite a bit of damage, and we've seen that a lot with the Aston Martin. The fact that they can take some damage and continue to race, which is pretty wild. And as you can hear, there are some choice words that Max had for for Russell. Um, I know Christian Horner. He also had some some words. Christian Horner, being the Red Bull team principal, um, he was saying he had some some choice words, such as George is lucky he left his helmet on. Um, and all sorts of good stuff like that so some some juicy drama Um, also mentioning that um, Max is like an elephant he's going to remember this and he's going to be very cautious around George or uh, George from now on or maybe George would be wise not to um, try and crash into uh, Max when he's not even championship contender I don't know it's up for you to decide. You tell me what's going on. In terms of who's at fault for the entire incident, I think both are equally at fault. Um, I think that Max knows the risk of hanging it out in the, on the outside when you're driving. Um, you do. There is a chance and an opportunity that the guy on the inside doesn't turn in and he just goes into you. It's, it's very possible that happens. And the fact that he hung it out on the outside for so long without... Um, when he knew he had the dominant car and he knew he was stronger on the straight, he could have just pulled back for a second then got him on the main straight on the way home. It's it's I think it was unnecessarily risky for for Max to be doing that and the fact that he stuck it out until turn three um, and nearly lost a position to the Ferraris that were behind him. I just think that was dumb. Um, In terms of George, George, I think that even though he's got nothing to lose, he shouldn't be actively trying to be aggressive towards other drivers and try to take unnecessary risks on the inside. Um, He knows the tires are cold. He knows that um, it's not uh, optimal temperature in order to do that. And locking up is very high. Um, Max did leave him enough space that he could get through. And it was very possible that he could have gone through on the inside and had no incident. But mistakes were made. Um, I was talking to a buddy of mine he was saying that if it was Lewis instead of George I don't think Lewis would have crashed into Max. Um, Whether that's up to debate you tell me but realistically both are at fault for the incident and I feel like that applies to most most accidents Um, with the exception of a few here or there when someone just plows right into the back of another person that's a little more different but in most cases it, it takes two to tango so We'll get on to the main race, and we'll talk a little bit more about that. Now, the race start for the actual race by comparison to the sprint race was quite tame. Not much happened. Everyone was pretty well behaved. I don't think there were any major incidents that happened. Um, and by lap three, when DRS opened up, well, you can guess what happened. Actually, you don't need to guess. We'll show you what happened on lap three with the Red Bull. Red Bull dominance absolutely flying through. So here it is.
2: Is there going to be any opportunity for Charles Leclerc, who's checking the mirrors early? He knows the threat is close. Will he be able to offer a defense? Is it the moment for Max Verstappen to use the slipstream to power alongside and take the lead? It looks like it might be. And say goodbye to Max Verstappen in second place because that's the race lead for the world champion, breezing on by, and Verstappen takes first place in the race. And we are waiting to see Perez use the efficiency. The barn door opens and Perez takes a dart to the inside. Charles knows he can't fight it with defense on the way in. It's a Red Bull 1-2 as Perez takes second.
1: So as you can see, there is no stopping the Red Bull unless they just got rid of DRS. So the only thing we can hope for is that it rains. That is the only hope. Because while it is raining, there is no DRS. You cannot open the DRS uh, while it is raising, raining. We do this for safety reasons, so there's no real point in it being in, in it happening, and we'll have a little more fair of a race, I think. But who knows? We actually haven't had a single wet race um, in terms of wet weather weather running. We had like one session in Australia, but it didn't really last that long. I think it was um, it started off dry, then it became wet, and then it became dry again. So. Whether that'll happen, hard to say. Is the Red Bull dominance a good thing? No, it makes the races boring, straight up. Um, It's more... The most interesting race that we had last year was Silverstone. Silverstone in Austria, but Silverstone more specifically. A lot happened. Um, Max was unable to compete because he had floor damage, so he finished, I think, seventh. And it was exciting because Carlos got his first win. We had a... We had Checo, who finished second, quite marginally behind um, Carlos, and we didn't know who was going to win at that point. So uh, keep your prayers up for Miami for a Red Bull Double DNF So hopefully make this uh, season more interesting. Okay, so while the race was still happening, we had a moment with Nick DeVries, who unfortunately clipped the inside of one of the corners. broke his uh, front left wheel shaft. And unfortunately, he had to retire the car. So we'll take a look at exactly what happened with that right now.
3: Yeah, but I'm sliding. Anderson.
2: Now this could bring out the virtual safety car. Nick De Vries has gone deep. And that is why we have the yellow flag. Of Verstappen being told to come into the pits.
3: And Perez will assume the lead at a circuit. He adores. So De Vries is off at turn six. He sounded like he had the engine going, but if there's suddenly a safety car or a VSE, Max has pitted at a very bad moment here because everyone else will save nine seconds on a pit stop. Early stop for Verstappen, who was getting through his tires just too quickly. Safety car's called. Full safety car is out, and that is a massive
2: advantage then. They'll have to respect the delta that they now get. That is Nick DeVries clipping the apex wall and damaging the front left.
3: Yeah, so it is just a, a bit greedy on the on the apex of the left hander, and it is a driver error then for Devries. I was wondering how on earth you end up in this position, but he could have turned the car to the
1: right. So unfortunately the safety car wasn't called out sooner. I don't think it was understood how bad the damage was to DeVries' car. Um, or as the internet is calling him, Dubrees. De Debris, get it? <laughs> uh <laughs> um so it's, it's you can see that they didn't quite understand how much damage was done to his car and that he physically could not move the car. Even the team told him, you know, you, we gotta retire it. So if you can move it's great. If not, it's probably not safe to do so. So the drivers that got unlucky with this because this happened, this safety car came out right at the moment of where people were making their pit stops. So Lando, uh, Lewis Hamilton, and Max Verstappen all got the, the not so great end of the uh, of the safety car as they had already pitted for tires and there was no point in pitting for another set. Max still ended up being third by the end of the safety car when it came in. Um, and we can see the race restart and we'll see. You can see just how fast the Red Bull is and how great it takes off. Um, so we'll take a look at that right here.
3: Leclerc looking racy behind him. Now Perez goes. And we are back
2: racing. In Azerbaijan, Charles Leclerc, does he get a run to the inside? Will he take the opportunity? Perez feeling the need to defend. He's on cold tyres, remember? There's an opportunity for Max Verstappen as they make their way through. Will they all make the corner? Cold tyres, cold brakes, they will. And it's the top three as they were. That's a late lunge to the inside for the Aston Martin of Lance Stroll, who gets the place back that he lost in the pit stop. But this is Max Verstappen darting out of the slipstream, trying to immediately take the Ferrari back. Can he do it? This time he does it without DRS. Big move for Max Verstappen.
3: Yeah, he needed that. Needed to clear the Ferrari and now he can go and chase after Perez. Alonso on the inside of Sainz, that's opportunistic. Brilliant from Alonso.
2: Phenomenal move, for fourth position for Fernando Alonso.
3: On board, here we go with Fernando Alonso. So Sainz is looking good. Gets a little bit boxed in behind his teammate. Alonso just says, wow, if you don't want the inside, I'll take it. And sticks it in there, laid on the brakes, committed. Brilliant from Alonso.
1: So as you can see, with the restart, Perez is just gone so fast. And even Max, Charles had no chance. Without DRS, he just got away from him and got around him. So if you wanted some comparison as to how fast, if you asked yourself, how fast are the Red Bulls with the DRS open by comparison to other cars? Well, if you saw in the last video, uh, Charles's max speed without DRS was 314 kilometers per hour. With the Red Bull's DRS, 342 disgusting absolutely insanely fast and that's how it's supposed to be but not that fast maybe like 10 kilometers more out of it not 30 um, which is pretty absurd so the race restart gets off without a hitch and really not much happens after this point the race is extremely boring not like we had like 40 40 laps of tire management it's about it Um, we did have an interesting moment between lance and alonso um, I have some audio of what their what their radio has been uh, showcasing throughout the race. So we'll play that for you now, and you can take a listen as to, as to what was going on with that. We're
3: both the Copy that. Lance will not attack you. Lance will not attack you. He's doing the same as you. I mean, he can have a go, eh? But it's just a matter of time we overtake them.
2: That is the capacity that Fernando Alonso has whilst driving a car to an unbelievable stand.
0: The Lance, my brake balance suggesting as I am now, I think it's a good help.
3: Yeah, copy, Fernando, copy, I will understand. What Fernando Alonso have we got so far this year? I've never seen a team work quite as well as this together. Fernando now trying to get Lance to change the setup from his cockpit to match his. So,
1: this has been the best part of this this pairing. This is I I think Lance and and Fernando are probably my favorite driver pairing of this season. And that's unexpected. I do not like I saw when they announced that Fernando was going to Aston Martin. I don't know. The first thought that went to my mind was, "Man, Lawrence Stroll must be pay- paying him by the buckets, like tons amount of money. And then for them to have this unexpected good relationship with each other, the question still remains, how much money is Lawrence Stroll giving uh, Fernando Alonso to be Lance Stroll's best friend? I don't know. <laughs> it's really tough to say. Now, I've given Lance a lot of a lot of flack uh, over the year that we've done this, and He's really not that bad of a guy, uh, I bet you off the track he's really nice, he goes skiing, he does all sorts of really cool stuff, um, and all around seems like a very chill human. On track though, at least last year from what I saw, man he was crashing into everybody, it was a bad time, but he's got a competitive car this year so maybe he's a little different, who knows, I'm not too sure. but it's wholesome and i'll I'll, you know what i'll take a little bit of wholesome in between max yelling at george and you know him being upset about not winning and all that good stuff and yos being yos all that good stuff so i was pretty okay with it okay so once again we had 40 minutes of tire management which is not great you didn't really want to see it we had the odd piece of action here and there um Mag nearly spun to the wall that was really interesting but he saved it um really not much else oh yeah we had pierre overtake valtteri bottas for 17th position yeah yeah really not much was going on throughout the race (laughs) um so yeah here's the end of the race we'll show that to you um and we'll talk about a couple more things that are happening while we're going on so here it is
2: it has been a phenomenal. Performance from Sergio Perez. The Street Fighter's done it again. Sergio Perez wins in Azerbaijan to take his sixth career victory to beat his teammate. Max Verstappen takes the fastest lap on the last tour, but it's Perez's day in Baku. He's the first repeat winner at this venue, and despite all of Fernando Alonso's efforts, it's Charles Leclerc who's going to beat him to the rostrum. For the first time this season, Ferrari on the podium with Charles Leclerc. George Russell put the soft tyres on, completes all three sectors at the end, takes the chequered flag and looks for the fastest lap. He comes across the line and he's got it.
3: King of the streets. Well done, guys. Uh, we dominated this weekend. Ah, uh, well done, guys. Well done.
2: It's another glorious day in the motor racing history of Red Bull. They are sweeping the races. Two wins so far for Verstappen. Two wins. It has been a
1: So the race is over. Esteban Ocon, not Esteban Ocon. We'll talk about him in a moment. Sergio Perez wins the race with Max coming in second. And you know what? I really got to give it up for Max and Checo. Even though it seems like Max has had his differences with Checo. And Checo is now like... Six points away from being the lead in the um, in the championship, Sergio really credited Max with this victory as well because the only reason Checo was pushing as hard as he was is because he knew Max was right behind him by two seconds, um, and if. Checo had given him an inch, Max would have not hesitated to take that. And it would have been vice versa. I bet you if Checo had the opportunity, he would have been able to overtake and try to fight for the lead against Max, too. So, huge amount of respect to both of these drivers. Now, while that was happening, Esteban Ocon did quite the feat, which is he drove 50 laps on the same set of tires. And the last time we saw that was in Melbourne. Uh, Sorry, Yes, yes, Melbourne. I had to think about that. Um, With Esteban, no, Alex Albon, which was last year. He did 47 laps uh, on the same set of tires before he had to pit on the last lap. Now, the regulations state you have to pit at least once. And it has to be on a different compound of tire than what you're currently using. So throughout the race, you can still you can pit, but you can't go medium, medium, hard, hard, soft, soft, whatever you're doing. You have to do hard, medium, medium, hard, hard, soft, whatever you're, you you want to do. It just has to be a different compound to what you're already using. So Esteban Ocon still had to make a uh, last lap pit stop. And no one told the photographers that he was coming in. Apparently, we have a we have a video for you. It's a little scary, so if you don't want to check it out, um, you don't have to. Come back in like thirty seconds. I'll come back in eleven seconds. Um, but yeah, we'll show you that now.
0: Here he comes. Yes, he is. And there are a what guys. is this about? That's a shambles. This is that a is
1: shambles. Absolute is- shambles. We could see it coming. Albin could see it coming. What is going on? Down so Esteban Ocon, he didn't do anything wrong here. The big question that I was asked was, is he getting a penalty? No, he is not getting a penalty um, because he's well within his right to pit on the last lap, whether he wants to. Now, who is getting in trouble if not for Esteban Ocon? Well, let me tell you, it is the FIA. Why? Because the FIA is in charge of Parc Ferme which is the end point of the top three cars, as well as every other car. Um, and who should be doing what and when we also saw this in Australia, but this was much scarier. Now, even though the cars aren't traveling as fast in the pit lane, because there is a pit lane speed limit of 60 kilometers per hour, being hit by something at 60 kilometers per hour, you can do some serious damage. We could have had a very serious situation on our hands with this. Um, so the FIA is serving themselves Uh, I can show you the document in just one second here. We're jumping ahead a little bit, but we're going to throw up the document. Um, It's very short, surprisingly. I don't know if this is the official document, but this is the only thing I could find really quickly. Basically just stating, hey, we're going to make sure that we're looking into our regulations and understanding when it is okay to allow the public uh, onto the racetrack, uh, and they're going to find and serve themselves more than likely. We'll probably find out a little bit more about that within the next week or two as to what actually is going on. So there's a couple more things that we can talk about, um, about what's going on. Um, one thing we did here that I didn't really understand, I don't think anyone really understand until we found out about it later in a press conference interview with Charles Leclerc. He mentioned something about... Uh, there is a cut. We're not sure what that means, we don't really know. Maybe it was a loss of power during a safety car, maybe it was, you know, the engine cut out, something. He said something about cut and no one really elaborated on it. When he was asked later, he actually found out there was a cat on track, and that's what the problem was. Um, it wasn't directly in front of Charles, it was actually in front of the safety car, so Bert Mylander, who drives the safety car for uh, F1 he saw the cat, um, and it scurried off, and it wasn't harmed uh, at any point in time, but uh, it certainly spooked Charles, um, as he was the first one behind the safety car. That was during the sprint race. Um, Thoughts on the new sprint race format by comparison to last year? I don't like it. Realistically, I think that I, if you want to make the race more interesting, this is not the way you do it. Because right now, what the, what is happening is you get two qualifying sections for the drivers. But only one of them really matters. You know what I mean? Because if you do well in the sprint race, cool. If you win in the sprint, you get eight points. You get the same amount of points for finishing sixth in the Grand Prix. So not really worth it um honestly some of the other teams might just be like you know what we're gonna save our engine we're gonna save our power unit we're gonna make sure that all of our tires are still okay for the race and they might just say hey you know what i don't want to peace out see you later like what's stopping Alpha Towery, Alpha romeo um and haas from just being like you know what we're not gonna win that's not really worth our time see you later Um, I think the only thing that would be stopping them is the fact that they probably have a contract with some of their sponsorships saying that they need to participate in these races. But I bet you if they had their choice, they'd probably be like, nah, it's not worth our time. We're not going to win. So it's it's not great from that. Plus, having your qualifying for the sprint and the sprint on the same day, it kind of detracts from the Sunday. So one of the big things that's really exciting about Formula One is watching the tuning process throughout the Friday and the Saturday morning. You get to see the cars develop and you also don't really know who's running what practice programs. There are different programs that are run and it's based off high fuel, tire compound, low fuel, different wing angles, understanding how the better dynamics work, whether we're using a big wing, small wing, whether we want a drag car whether we want a higher downforce package there's a lot of choices that go into making um, the final decision on what you want to do for the formula one race generally speaking everyone's kind of got it figured out by practice two i think we could live without a third practice if i'm being honest but i think having at least two practice sessions one for like short distance qualifying and one for long distance race running i think that would be good enough but the way that we're doing it now, when we have the sprint race on Saturday, and then the sprint uh, qualifying on the same day, we kind of it kind of it detracts from the surprise that comes from Sunday, of the main race, because we kind of already know what's going to happen. We we can kind of see where everyone is sitting, um, and the reason for that is we can't make any modifications in between the sprint race and the actual race. So that's a full almost twenty-four hours where the cars are exactly the same as each race. So you can already see who's not doing well, who's doing all right. And it takes away from what is most exciting, which is the main race. So that is my case on this this sprint format. Uh, In terms of this weekend, I've seen some people be really generous and give it like a two out of 10. Uh, I think it deserves a one out of 10. It was not very interesting. Not much happened. Baku is known for being... One of the more chaotic races that happen in the, on the calendar just because it's a street circuit and it's really tight. Um, those first three corners are crazy. And the fact that we have the longest back straight or sorry, the longest main straight of, of any race, it's supposed to be really exciting and interesting. And it's just not. So that is that. So I actually have an image that I found. I have saw this circulating on Twitter for a while now. And this pretty much sums up how the weekend went. Um, yeah, yeah. Come on, do something. All right, let's get down to business, and we'll look at the points. We'll take a look at the driver standings. As I mentioned before, we have Max Verstappen uh, in the lead with Sergio Perez. They're separated by six points, which is not much, and that's really exciting um, to see how that goes. So if Checo comes in first next race and Max finishes second, I believe it is... They will still be four points apart, depending on who gets um, fastest lap or not. Um, Fernando Alonso is still sitting pretty in third, along with Lewis Hamilton in fourth with 48 points, which uh, I'm kind of surprised at. I thought Lewis would be a little bit lower. Um, but then again, Ferrari has had the worst start of their season ever. Um, speaking of Ferrari, we have Carlos Sainz, Charles Leclerc, uh, with 34 and 28 points respectively. George Russell tying with Charles Leclerc after the weekend uh, at 28 points. Lance Stroll bringing in the top 10 at 27 points. Obviously a very dominant. And that's your top eight. And that's not that surprising. Then we have Lando Norris and Nico Hülkenberg uh, not pulling in too much. uh, But you know what? Doing just enough. He's actually doing better than uh, Kevin Magnussen which I think everyone kind of expected. We expected Nico to do really well. He is the most consistent uh, point scoring driver um, that has not been on the podium. Um, and that's our top 10 for the drivers. In terms of the uh, constructor standings, yeah, yeah. Red Bull is leading by a very gross 93 points ahead of Aston Martin. Yeah, we're going to need them to DNF like at least three or four times in order to make this fair. Um, Aston Martin ahead of Mercedes just by a bundle of points. Um, I believe that's nine if my math serves me well. I didn't go to school for math. That's my guess. Um, We have Mercedes and Ferrari not too far from each other. Then McLaren in fifth. And um, usually McLaren's in fourth. But... It's it's interesting to seeing how strong Aston Martin continues to be. The fact that they're in second, which is absolutely mind blowing. Uh, then we have Alpine and Haas separated by one point, and Alpha Romeo also separating by each other by one point. Um, unfortunately, AlphaTauri and then Williams to be expected in the bottom uh, of the of the bracket. AlphaTauri not really doing well with their collective five foot two average height drivers. Um, maybe betting on nick devries wasn't the best idea uh it's hard to say who knows he's in his rookie season i think he's he's allowed to be afforded a few mistakes here and there um but yuki Sonoda finishing a consistent 11th 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 10th and 10th yeah i just think the car just isn't that great um and yeah And that's it. We're looking forward to Miami, which is later this week. Um, We're going back to our normal. No, it is not your Miami, this guy. So (laughs) we are, we're going to uh, Miami. It's going to be the usual format. We do not have a sprint weekend this week. Thank God. So we are going back to our normal format. We're going to end off with some music, but before we go, You can follow us on social media at DCSA Media Hub. We're going to end off here with Liars Club by Coheed and Cambria here on riotradio.ca. We will see you next week.
0: Yeah.